1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the final day of our Women in Comics podcasting series, I guess is what it is now. Um, Hope you guys have enjoyed the interviews and shows up until now. Um, Today we have a very special treat for you, a name you might not know, but it's a name you should know. Uh, Trina Robbins, who is a cartoonist and comic book historian, Um, she worked on the great Legends of Wonder Woman series um, that Bob wrote about so, so well on our site. Um, But she's also written three volumes of history of women in comics, Uh, A Century of Women Cartoonists, The Great Women Superheroes, and From Girls to Girls, A History of Women's Comics, From Teens to Zines. Um, She is an absolutely... Delightful person to talk to. So much knowledge, so much to say. And even though some of what she has to say has been about some bad stuff that has happened to women in this industry, she always does so with an air of positivity. And I think you guys are really going to love this. Plus, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who can go toe to toe with Bob so very well. So, again, um, at Talking Comics is our Twitter info at talkingcombooks.com is the website talkingcombooks.com sorry is the website info at talkingcombooks.com is the email um, wonder if I should re-record these kind of things and tell us what you thought of this week are we doing the? do we do a good job did we not do a good job we want to hear it all from you guys um, thank you so much again for listening and without further ado let's get to talking to Trina Robbins <laughs>
2: Okay, we're back. Um, We're privileged tonight to be joined by author, artist Trina Robbins, who is one of the mover-shakers in the underground comic scene. She's a co-founder of the Friends of Lulu, the organization that promotes readership of comics by women and their participation in the industry. Also an award winning comic book creator, as well as one of comics' preeminent historians, with the books A Century of Women Cartoonists and The Great Women Superheroes, to her credit. So thank you for joining us, Ms. Robbins. Thank you. Ah, great to have you here. Um, just diving right into this, since we only have a limited amount of time, uh, one of your most recent works, Lily Renee, Escape Artist, yes. it touches on so many facets of your own work, as it's a historical graphic novel about a female comic book creator. Can you please tell us how that project came about?
3: Well, you know, in my histories, I've written a number of histories of women cartoonists. And as a matter of fact, I'm working on my final history of women cartoonists right now. Um... My updated, rewritten, and revised um, book, it's going to be published by Fantagraphics, and it's going to be more comprehensive and better than any of the others. But that's just as an aside. (laughs) So, um, in all of my books on women cartoonists, I have written about Lily Renee, because she was absolutely wonderful. Uh, She drew for Fiction House Comics in the 1940s, um, but I didn't know anything about her. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if she was still alive until one day I received an email from her granddaughter. Her granddaughter had known that her mother had drawn comics, so she Googled her mother's name, and she said that my name kept popping up. (laughs) So, um, I found Lily. It was wonderful. And Lily is this wonderful, wonderful, elegant, gracious woman who lives in New York. She's in her late 80s. She won't give me her exact age, and that's perfectly all right. right. A woman has Um, her secrets, yes. And she told me, you know, I interviewed her, and she told me her story. Which is, it's right out of a comic book. It's right out of yes. the comics she drew. It's right out of Michael Chabon's Cavalier and Clay. I thought the it's same It's amazing thing. that she was a refugee who escaped from the Nazis as a teenager. Her story is absolutely amazing, so I have to tell it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It should be a movie. There's, there's a oh, screenplay there. A you should definitely write that. That sounds
0: really cool. I want to read that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a great book.
2: Yeah, I know Stephanie is definitely... Uh, taken hold of that one herself. Uh, While we're we're on the subject of of those sort of creators, uh, before reading some of your books, I was mostly unaware of Miss Fury and completely ignorant, I'm sad to say, of Tarpe Mills. Well, of course, uh, so can you can you please tell our audience the, about her? She's so most great. Most
3: of the histories, ninety nine percent of the histories of comics, have been written by guys, and the guys mm-hmm. just they gloss right over the women. It's like they have blinders; they don't <laughs> see the women. So, as far as I'm concerned, that's great because it leaves a great big hole that I can fill <laughs> with information about these wonderful women that nobody knew about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's the, she was the first costumed lead character, yes. correct? the
3: first costumed action heroine is the way I describe her because she didn't have superpowers. She was a superheroine.
2: Mm-hmm. And eventually it was just a strip to start with but it became a comic book that was selling what, a million five a month? or something yes. Which is a yes. tremendous what number happened we look at.
3: Timely Comics which later became mm-hmm. Marvel. They reprinted them. In those days there was a custom when newspaper strips were popular enough they would save them and cut and paste And when there were enough of them, and turned them into comics. And that was what was done with them as Fury comic books.
2: Uh, The the book, by the way, that you wrote that lead essay for is just incredible. We'll speak after the air. I need to get myself a copy of that from you. Oh, yeah. Now, through the 40s, there was quite a number of memorable superheroines back then. Is there one that stood out for you more than others as you were writing your book about them?
3: Well, of course, let's face it, Wonder Woman. Okay. (laughs) I mean, she stands out from all of them.
2: And as uh, in its time, when, when you read what, what William Marston was saying about it, yeah, to create a strong woman character, he had so much opposition from publishers. Uh, he was and, very
3: uh, much a feminist. He was very much a feminist.
2: Yeah, which you know, is,
3: I mean, feminists can mean different things, and he was a feminist in 1940s terms. But he was very much a feminist. I think maybe a little too feminist because he believed that women were superior to men. I don't quite go that far.
2: We're all equal.
3: Yes.
2: We have to look at it that way. Now, as as your own career began, assimilating all this sort of information, was there a creator that you uh, admired or inspired to have a career arc like?
3: Well, I'm sorry to say that I grew up without a role model. Oh, It's much easier for young women to have role models now. I didn't know about Miss Fury. I did love Wonder Woman. I suppose you could call her a role model. Well, not just Wonder Woman. I used to, when I was a little girl, I used to play Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, with my girlfriends. But they would get disgusted because I always wanted to be the one who rescued them from the evil white slave traders.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. She does another great character that many people are just completely unaware with it, uh, except for a really terrible movie about well, 30 years yeah, ago. yeah,
3: the only... People who are aware of Sheena are these older guys who have this kind of nudge-nudge, wink-wink thing about her. You know, and in their mind's eye and their memory, they see her with much larger breasts and a much skimpier outfit. You know, really, she wasn't wearing anything less than women wore to the beach in those days. Mm -hmm. And she had a perfect figure. I mean, if you're going to leap from trees, you have to be in really, really good shape. And you have to, (laughs) you know, if you look at the Olympic uh, stars, they have Really great figures, too. But um, these guys, these guys with their memories and their kind mm. of leering memories, you know, all they, I mean, you'd think that they would look at comics today and see how horribly women are drawn in comics today with gigantic breasts and teeny, <laughs> weeny little outfits, and then look back at Sheena and see that she was simply a beautiful woman, woman really well-dressed.
2: Well, we, we've gotten on to that point around here a couple of times as we've started really? to look at the way the books are being drawn now. And so let me just start by saying that, you know, obviously Wonder Woman's a very important character to you. And I want to revisit a comment you made about Mike Diodato's version of Wonder Woman, which sort of ties into where we are here. Oh,
3: God, help us. I love it. I love it.
2: It's Uh, awesome. (laughs) Would you like to quote yourself, or should I?
3: Please quote me, because I don't remember
2: what it was I said. It's in your book, and you're showing Harry Peters' Wonder Woman, who you replicated so well for The Legend of Wonder Woman, which we reviewed for our site a week or so ago. uh, Which I just loved when I saw it all those years ago. And it's sort of from, you showed from this to this, and it was a shot of uh, yes. Wonder Woman with her junk hanging out. Let me just leave it at that. <laughs> yes.
3: You oh,
0: de- God. And
2: you described it as a barely clothed, hypersexual pinup.
3: Well, that's what she, I mean, they really, in today's, okay. Now, my dear was like one of the worst offenders. You know, thank God no one's ever been as bad as him since, at least not in mainstream comics. But in general, in mainstream comics, the heroines are hyper mm-hmm. They are. I mean, their, their breast sizes are enormous. Their outfits are tiny. It's really bizarre. I mean, how can any superheroine be in action when she has a costume that's going to fall off her?
2: Yes, let let alone wearing ridiculous heels and the oh, balance yeah. is off. Fighting crime
0: and stilettos.
2: Yeah it just yeah, it kinda doesn't doesn't work and yet it does seem this is what do you think is just causing this? Just a it's is it the all boys fandom that it's become with readership at a Well was it, it is
3: the all boys fandom. Okay. I mean that's really um they're you know, they're they're pandering to the male readers. And, you know, of course it's wrong. They don't understand that they could actually you know, at this point they mainstream comics have has a very, very few female readers. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. But, you know, instead of looking at the reason, they go, oh, women don't read comics, which, of course, we know is absolute nonsense. Yes. Um, and they pander to the male readers. Maybe it's easier for them. Maybe they don't have to make the effort to reach, to reach women because they have a constantly rotating um, audience of, you know, 18, I'd say maybe 15 to 30-year-old men.
2: Yes, but the shame of it is there's that untapped marketplace that that books like, well, your go-girl has always addressed. There are younger women who would be into a fantasy and a strong female lead character where if you're going to, as you pointed out in your book, you're going to make characters that are repellent to women. They're just not even going to pick the thing up to start with.
3: Yes, exactly. Insulting to women.
2: Yes. Now, uh, not to paint everything in a bad light, in today's landscape, is there some book or creator that stands out for you as a positive example for young women or just young people in general?
3: Well, mostly, mostly what I like are graphic novels. I mean, the fact is I really don't read superhero comics. Um, I have been following Wonder Woman just because I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm not too crazy about what's happened to her. She's very well drawn. You know, visually, she's not insulting anymore, but, but as a character... She's just, she's kind of very passive and just experiences things and is being shown around by the gods. This is not the Wonder Woman that I knew and loved, but at least she's well-drawn. She's very well-drawn. But in general, I don't read superhero books. I'm not that crazy about people punching each other out over a space of, you know, 20 pages and then two pages of story. I read graphic Mm -hmm. novels.
2: Uh, which of those would you suggest is something we could uh, put our listeners toward, that they would be,
3: uh... Wow. I should go to my bookshelf right now. Okay. I've just started reading a wonderful book by Carol Tyler. It's in two parts yet. It's called You'll Never Know. Um, and I just started reading part one. Okay, let's... I, I'm, I'm talking to you. It's a good thing this phone is doesn't have um, cords. Um... <laughs> I've just gone to
1: my graphic novel section. Um, oh, dead air. You don't want dead air. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's okay. we are come in between. I mean, I think this what you're saying is true, though. I think when I talk to a lot of uh, girls and women who don't read superhero comics, but they read you know, Scott Pilgrim versus the world or a lot of stuff like that because it's strong female characters who are not you know, hyper-sexualized people. Yep. They're just people. You know, the slice-of-light books tend to not over-sexualize either the men or the women. You know, let's face it, some of the men are drawn ridiculous as well in superhero Mm -hmm. comics. Oh,
3: oh, yeah, I mean, the giant muscles that, you know, don't really exist on a real person, and the the thick necks and the huge chins, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, they're really, they're not attractive to women, those characters, for Mm -hmm. sure. But I think that they tap into a kind of a a boy fantasy.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right about that.
2: Which is unfortunate. Shouldn't there be... Books for everyone. Yeah, we can find a way.
3: Uh, back to graphic novels. I don't want you to think that I only read graphic novels by women. (laughs) Uh, I just remembered a wonderful book called Hereville. Except, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the author. It's by a guy, and it's just darling. Um, And there are more, you know. But but I don't want to give you dead air while I search for my my shelf.
2: We're doing just fine. Um, In your career, which has now spanned you know some years. is there a character that you wanted to do that you never quite got the chance? You did have a great run with Wonder Woman a couple of times. Oh, well, you know, I'd film.
3: actually like to do Wonder Woman the way I really think she should be done. That four-parter, was it was okay, but, you know, I didn't really write it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't feel competent enough to write it, but I sure do now.
2: Okay, but you'd, you'd co-plotted there. Was so your idea, I guess? Yes, I co- did co- was
3: co-plot it. I did.
2: Yeah, but it certainly recaptured that 40s feel that you were, you know, from yeah, your afterward that you were for. trying to go for. So, if you could bring her back to, I don't know, normalcy as opposed to the neck breaker that she's become in, in books <laughs> here and there, uh, what sort of adventure would you have for
3: her? I don't want to give it away.
2: Okay. <laughs> I we very appreciate smart. that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, nice. we'll leave that alone. Um, is there a period, that, now, the, the 50s, 60s, as things started to go. Uh, badly? Uh, yeah. You know, as the heroes sort of waned in general, superheroines particularly, there were no lead characters except Wonder Woman yes. still. And things at that point went, I guess, as badly for women creators as they did for the heroines themselves. Is that sort of a, I don't know, an Eisenhower-era reaction to women in the workplace, old boys' network at work, something well, nefarious? it
3: was, really. I mean, it was... You know, it takes a while, but after the war, the men all wanted their jobs back, and the women were sent back to the kitchen, (laughs) and you can see this. You know, it's, it's a kind of propaganda. If you look at the romance comics, oh. it's no accident or coincidence that romance comics started in the late 40s. Because the message in all romance comics really is that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you won't attain perfect happiness unless you meet the right man and settle down and raise a family. And that was the propaganda that was disseminated to women to get them out of the factories.
2: Sure. And, and unfortunately, and the even, kitchens. Yeah, it, it found its way into the superhero books. It took many yes, years of course, for Janet Van Dyne and Sue Storm at that point oh, to God. be something else than damsels so in distress. Storm,
3: she's just the most boring character. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it, 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 seriously, as a big fan of that book, as fans of this show know, I'm on about The Fantastic Four, it seems like, weekly. <laughs> Twice or three times a week. <laughs> but her character, it really took... Roy Thomas in the 70s and maybe Byrne in the 80s to turn it into a, a full-fledged character. Yes. Now, is there something in that period that stood out for you, maybe, that there was, as, as a fan of the Silver Ages, is there some book, I don't know, maybe, that I should be... Well, in
3: the 80s, I think that Chris Claremont did great women. Sure. It's, it's almost become a cliche, Chris Claremont and his women, but that's because they were so good.
2: Yes, and I remember the uh, you wrote in your book uh, the point where he apologized uh, in a Ms. Marvel letter page about the lack of female creators and what was going on in the industry in the 70s. Oh, that
3: was not Chris Claremont. Wasn't it? No, that was the then editor. And ah. I, I can't remember his name, but he was very... He was, of course, right, and he was very good to apologize like that. <laughs> Editors have not always been so nice. If you read about, you know, how Dan Taddeo spoke... At last year's Comic Con, when he was asked why the percentage of women creators in the new Fifty Two had gone from twelve percent to one percent, he was not as nice as that.
2: Wow! Now, with with readership, with female readership down under uh, about eight percent at this point, mm-hmm. are, are they just assuming that? Uh, Boys won't read books by girls where they don't play with female action figures or something? I, I...
3: Oh, God, I am so tired of hearing that old story, you know. Mm-hmm. They used to use that, and I think they might still use it as an excuse for not having any, any um, Saturday morning cartoons starring girls. They would mm-hmm. say that boys will not watch a cartoon starring a girl, but girls will watch a cartoon starring boys. Therefore, let's only do cartoons with boy heroes. Of course, the fact was girls were watching cartoons starring boys because there was nothing else for them
2: to watch. mm -hmm. Now, now, Steve wants to jump in here as a big (laughs) fan. I just want
0: want Trina to know that there are some of us out there, me in particular, Mm -hmm. anybody that listens to our show and anybody that hangs out with me knows this. That I am one of the the biggest advocates of women in comics. I absolutely adore. If I had my preference, I would read female heroes, characters, what have you. Um, I find their their writing to be better. I think they're they're better people in comics. Um, their vulnerability makes them more interesting. Makes them more heroic.
3: Yes. Vulnerability, magic word. They're real. They're human.
0: Yes. Wonder
3: Woman was like that. She was a human being. She had all this Amazon training, but she didn't really, the original Wonder Woman did not have superpowers. She didn't fly. Right. And she also, by the way, couldn't twirl her lasso and turn into Wonder Woman, you know, from Diana Prince. That's from the TV show. Mm -hmm. She used to have to actually, you know, take off her clothes and reveal her Wonder Woman outfit underneath it, just like Clark Kent used to rip open Mm -hmm. his shirt and there would be the Superman costume.
2: Now, the real shame, she is a character. She's part of, you know, DC always says that she's part of their trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. She's not really been as well served considering. No, not her at all. Pinnacle on that, you know, Mount Rushmore of comics. Is it, <laughs>
3: the is, Mount Rushmore of comics? Yeah. Well, you only have to see that, you know, they have a million movies and she doesn't have any. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they keep saying they're going to and never quite... Did no, you, did you see the pilot? Well, every
3: attempt they do just keeps getting botched. They can't seem to pick up somebody who would actually do her any justice. Well, you kind of wonder what they're thinking. I mean, I know everyone has seen the pilot, the TV Wonder yes. Woman pilot. Oh, and it's like you just, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? You know, they've got her, she owns... The factory that makes Wonder Woman dolls? Yes. I mean, what are they thinking?
2: Yeah, And, and her comment about the dolls being too well endowed, yes. and that's supposed to be some sort of meta comment, just, just is so heinous. Well,
0: that's what I asked myself about the Catwoman movie we were talking about them the other week. Yes. Where even in the opening credits, I said they've thrown every everything I've ever known about Catwoman, they threw it out in the beginning
1: credits. Mm. How do you manage that? <laughs> It's amazing.
3: What are they thinking?
1: Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I think now, if if any movie executive or any editor, like Didio said this about, you know, girls won't read a book about a female action hero, look at the Hunger Games that came out this oh, past yes. year. perfect. And
3: yeah. the movie Brave.
1: Yeah, and Brave, exactly. Yeah, yes. Brave was Brave wonderful. Brave is wonderful. Yeah. That was it? such a great movie.
2: So, so good. So
0: it's we, just...
2: Uh, oh, go ahead, Steph.
0: I wish, like, I mean, after the Avengers, I heard
3: that they're doing um, a Black Widow adaptation, and I'm hoping that maybe if they can do her some justice in, um, um, with a movie and an origin movie at that, that maybe that'll give, um, DC the ground to kind of be like, well, we can do something equally as awesome with Wonder Woman. Maybe Maybe. I'm not holding my breath I I know, me neither
2: It's it's too many years (laughs) since we But it would be nice in a perfect
3: world, right? Oh yes, (laughs) isn't it pretty to think so? (laughs) You should take up screenwriting and, you know Pitch something to them for
2: that. I think we should just you gather them all in a room and have Trina stand at the head of the
0: room and be yes. like, this is what needs to be done. Pay attention.
2: Right. People will buy these. People will will watch these movies. Give, give Of course they will. Yeah. And boys will watch them. Men mm-hmm. will watch them. Everyone will watch them. A is a hero. Yeah. The gender shouldn't matter.
1: Well, The Hunger Game doesn't make Ugh. $400 million oh, if boys I don't go to see I can't wait for the sequel to The
3: Hunger Games. You know, yeah. it's really yeah. frustrating, but I probably am going to have to wait another half year before it comes out. <laughs> I read, of course, all three books. Yeah. Oh, and they've just done some casting for it, too, yeah. some more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Jenna Malone will be playing Joanna Mason. Yeah, which is Ooh. a good character.
1: Very good character. Mm-hmm.
3: Those books. For anyone who's read the books.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Like Tina and
3: me have. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I honestly think I've run through my questions. I think we've had a, we're, we're about to time. I, I have think a think we question. need to, go ahead, Steve. I have a question.
0: Knock it out. Yeah. Um, what do you think, if you could pick one, what is the definitive, uh, either Wonder Woman or just in general, what is the definitive woman's book that if you want the best example of how women should be written in comics, what would you give somebody? Uh, yeah.
3: You mean an adventure book?
0: Anything you want. You pick.
3: Actually, I would say Miss Fury. All right then. All right. Yeah. Miss um, Fury is wonderful, and it's so it's beautifully drawn. I mean, it's like a, a little fashion book of the nineteen forties. The clothes she wears, mm-hmm. and she's a great character. She's a human being again, like Wonder Woman was originally. She doesn't have superpowers, and there's romance in it. There's action.
2: Mm-hmm. She's got a. It's a panther skinned outfit that she's.
3: Yes. So you, do you have church? some? Bob? No,
2: I I have to speak to Miss Robbins off air about the <laughs> the collection that she just did. That she wrote the introductory essay for. I would be interested in that as well. Okay. <laughs> Are um, you talking about
3: the Miss collection?
2: Yes. Oh yes, I have to put my hands on one of those. So <laughs>
3: oh, you haven't read
2: it yet. I've read the excerpts. I've read bits and pieces in the old one that came out many years ago. It was about fifteen years ago. They had some oh, of those. Oh,
3: you will love out. this. You will love this. I have to tell you that the newspaper strips are far better than the comics. Okay. Because if that's all you've seen is then the comics, you know the yes. reprints. Because the newspaper strips to turn them into comics, they were cut and pasted. So there's a lot missing.
2: Oh, perfect then. Oh, we, we will speak. Fair. Bobby, do you have a question yes. for Ms. Robbins?
1: I, I, I do not. Um, this has been a, a fantastic to talk to you. It's a lot of information, and a lot of great opinions, a lot of um, enthusiasm. I love it. Yeah. Yep. I will say, too, that I think we all agree that what Gail Simone is doing with Batgirl right now is is very good. And there's no. Mm-hmm. That character is. Gail
3: Simone is, is fantastic. Mm. I love
1: her. Yeah. Uh, her treatment of. Barbara Gordon is one of my favorite characters yes. in the DCU or in anything, really.
3: And um, I think she was the last. Good writer of
2: Wonder Woman. Hmm. Yes. All right. No, I definitely agree than that. She also managed to make a silk purse out of the sow's ear of the new 52, where you went from Oracle, which was a really singular special character. There was nobody quite like Barbara Gordon yes. as Oracle. And putting her back as Batgirl could have just been another girl in spandex kicking someone in the face. And mm-hmm. she's retained that humanity, that weakness that makes her now the special character she was.
3: Mm-hmm it's what you said about women writers I think you said that about
2: women writers
1: mm-hmm. yes absolutely um, so yeah and uh, you know we have Kelly Sudakonic writing Captain Marvel oh. so that's a character that's been much maligned in the history of comic books
2: yeah the old chicks in refrigerators <laughs> yeah. Gail Simone thing you know, that, <laughs> we'll go right to that
1: um, so yeah it's been great thank you Trina so much for talking to us this has been great oh, thank you uh, it very was a special. pleasure oh, thank you so thank much you. Um Uh, we're gonna stop recording but stay in the line because we want to say goodbye to you Uh, 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 all fair all right I want to ask
2: about purchasing absolutely (laughs) so um,
1: uh, yeah that has been our talk with Trina Robbins Um, we will be right back after this Mm -hmm. all right that was our interview with Trina Robbins I said she was great and she was great just a fantastic person to talk to like I said you can go to Trina Robbins.com. Um, There's contact information there if you want to try to get in touch with her or maybe to purchase some of her work. Um, again, at Talking Comics. Talking, info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Let us know how we're doing, how we did, and anything else you guys want us to do in the future. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to these podcasts. They were a really big deal for us, and I hope you guys enjoyed them. So until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.